can make the difference between you being in control or letting your day control you. Hello and welcome to Sharp, the podcast where we help you get a little better at the stuff you have to do so you can spend more time doing the stuff you want to do. So now, on with the episode. Hello and welcome to episode 23. How you doing? Have you had a good week or couple of weeks or however long it's been since you last listened to our podcast? Or maybe you didn't last listen because you're a new listener. If you're a new listener, welcome. It's really, really good to have you here. Uh, Please sit back, relax, enjoy, listen to what we're doing. And if you like it, will you tell your friends and share it around? For those of you who have come back for more, thank you also. Thank you very much. Have you found anything since last time that you've been able to get better at? We've covered all sorts of things, haven't we, over these last 22 episodes. If you've not heard them all yet, there's plenty to get your teeth into, from habits to sleeping, from comedians to setting goals. We've looked at loads. This time around, I wanted to share some more quick, practical tools, things that you can do straight away. I've been looking at productivity hacks. Now, as you may know, we have a bit of a beef here at Sharp Podcast about the word productivity. We've even recorded an episode on it. But there's a lot of information out there on how to do things better, quicker, faster, or to a higher standard. But how do you know if the particular website or resource that you're choosing is consistent with others, or if the ideas are tried and tested? Well, worry no more, because I've done it for you. So over the last few weeks, I've been researching the online resource about improving productivity. And I've reviewed 152 suggestions across the top 15 different sites on the top 10 productivity hacks. So people like Michael Hyatt, Inc.com, Huffington Post and many more, they've produced loads of content for us to look at. What I've then done is I've carefully cross-checked them, pulled out the ideas which appear most frequently and come up with my list of the nine top hacks and ideas to help you get stuff done today. Oh, and I've also asked Steve in the field to do some research on motivational phrases. And as always, he did no research and made it all up as he went along. Anyway, that's later. Without further ado, let's get into the list. So at number nine, we've got Eat the Frog. Now, a version of this has appeared in six of the resources that I've reviewed, and the idea is simple. Do the thing that you enjoy least first. Get it out of the way first thing. Now, there are three benefits of doing this. The first is that you start your day with a sense of achievement because you've done the most difficult thing already and it's downhill from there. The second is that you're not spending your day looking at that horrible job from the corner of your eye while you do everything else with this sense of dread over you all day. And thirdly, because it will mean you actually do it. You see, procrastination comes out of the idea that putting something off is more preferable than actually doing it. But if you've already done it, then there's no need to procrastinate. So, number nine, don't procrastinate, eat that frog. Number eight, ditch your phone. Now, phones are great and smartphones these days are remarkably useful. If you're listening from the future, who knows what smartphones are doing now in your world in the future? Maybe they're made of jam and implanted into your eyeball. I don't know. Anyway... Back here in 2017, 
They are a benefit, but they're also a curse. They're great for finding information on the move, but they are terrible for helping us to concentrate. So this tip is quite simply, put the phone away. Now you might remember from previous episodes, we've talked about this idea that it can take you up to 26 minutes from the point at which you stop doing something for your brain to come back and you be fully concentrated on it when you get distracted. And phones are the worst thing for distracting us. When was the last time that you thought, thank goodness I've just spent 15 minutes scrolling through this phone because my world is better because... According to the cusp, what they say is, to really focus on one thing, you need to clear distractions. Yes, you can turn off your phone alerts, as some hacks suggest, but the temptation to check it will probably persist if your phone is in sight. When you're focusing on getting something done, put your phone out of sight and out of reach. The result, they go on to say, I took this to the extreme. I actually left my phone at home one day a week for the last month. And guess what? The earth didn't explode and I was way more focused. Even on days when I had my phone with me, putting it in a drawer for an hour or two increased my ability to get things done. So that's number eight, ditch the phone. Number seven, automate or eliminate. Now, there are a number of ways to do this from sophisticated ones like hiring a virtual assistant to simple ones like using shortcuts. According to Brainscape.com, keyboard shortcuts alone can save you eight days a year. Blimey. And there are other ways to eliminate like delegating to other people. One site even suggests outsourcing things to your kids. Well, that's an interesting approach, but I guess if you work from home and the jobs on your list, they're like chores or garden stuff, then actually you could move them onto their list, couldn't you? Another way of automating is if you have multiple emails that you send to different people, then create a template and just amend the contact details or tweak a few words. Now, virtual assistants sounds like a luxury, but in this global village that we seem to live in now, engaging people to carry out the heavy lifting for your research or editing or even producing complicated reports, well, there is now someone out there who will do it for you for a few dollars or a few pounds and give you back the time to do the stuff that you really need to pay attention to. Michael Hyatt has written a short Kindle book on how to do it. It's called The Virtual Assistant Solution. I'll put a link in the note. So that's tip number seven, automate or eliminate. Okay, so let's pay our first visit over to Steve in the field. Steve in the field, what have you been up to this week? This week, I've been trying to find out where some well-known productivity and motivational phrases have come from. To be honest, time is a bit tight, so I've had to rush it, but I think I've got it right. I'm in the car at the moment. Steve in the studio, could you put a soundtrack onto this to make it sound a bit more like I'm in a port, please? Thanks. Okay, listeners, picture the scene. It's December 1773, and we're in Boston Harbour. The Sons of Liberty are about to board three ships carrying tea and plan to throw the consignment overboard, which will lead to the coercive acts of 1774, pushing the two sides closer to war. But the year before, in 1772, under less dramatic circumstances, the ship Maypole has arrived at port to deliver its consignment of tea tobacco and sugar. The stevedores, what a great name, sorry, the stevedores take to the ship and start to take inventory, counting the chests. 
each one labelled with consecutive letters of the alphabet. A through D, E through H, I through... Hang on a minute, where's I? The cry goes up. A consignment is missing. There's no I. No I, comes a reply. In tobacco? Sugar? No, there's no I in tea. And that's where the phrase was born. There's no I in tea. Oh, hang on a minute, it's meant to be team, isn't it? Uh, sorry, Steve, I'll get back to you on this one. So once again, he's not bothered actually doing any work. Right, where were we? Okay. Number six, kill the clutter. Like the mobile phone, clutter in our lives can be distracting and it can stop us from being able to put our hands on the right thing at the right time. According to a report in Forbes, a new survey of over a thousand adults finds that over 90% believe that clutter has a negative impact on their lives and work. A surprising 77% said clutter damages their productivity, in line with previous studies revealing that executives waste six weeks a year searching for lost items and information. It goes on to say that additionally, more than half of all respondents said that disorganisation impairs their state of mind and motivation levels while two out of five people said it hurts their professional image. I'll post their link to how you can get into some good habits on decluttering, but that's number six, kill the clutter. Number five, batch. Now, a version of this has appeared in seven of the different resources that we've reviewed. This is a great way of working through loads of stuff much more quickly. Now, batching can mean different things. David Allen uses batching in getting things done by creating, for want of a better expression, buckets that relate to where you're going to do a thing, and then you put all the things in the right buckets. So whether it's your home office, whether it's at the computer, on the phone or in the shops, you group the jobs together based on where you'll do them, and you'll surprise yourself how much more you get done. Another thing you can do with this relates to emails. So if you've got loads of emails in your inbox, if you sort them by sender, then your brain can focus on dealing with the trash ones in one way, the ones from your boss or an important customer in another, and so on. It's more efficient, it works better, and I do it all the time. It really does make a difference, so try that one out if you don't do already. And you can combine batching with the Pomodoro technique. Now, apparently, Pomodoro actually means tomato in Spanish, but this hasn't got anything to do with tomatoes. It's about getting the most out of your time. The Pomodoro timer is basically set for 25 minutes and then what you do is you focus just for that period of time before you then have a short scheduled break. The idea is that you're focusing all of your creativity and focus all at one time without distraction while the timer's going on. And then when the timer's up, you have a five minute break and you start again. And then after four Pomodoro sessions, you take a longer break for 15 to 20 minutes. You can download Pomodoro timers on apps or just use an egg timer or a cooking timer. So that's number five, batching. Number four, look after yourself. Now this might seem like common sense, but it's interesting how many of us forget to ensure that our batteries are fully charged before we start to you know, draw on the power we need from them. There's nothing complicated here. It's about exercise, eating well and drinking water. The key is building these things into your routine. If you've listened to episode 12, I've shared my morning routine, which includes water, exercise and meditation. 
and I can't tell you how much difference it makes to me even towards the end of the day. Lifehack.org say, According to numerous studies, moderate levels of aerobic exercise have the potential to clear cluttered minds and aid the creative thinking process. This was supported by one particular study conducted in 2005 where college students from Rhode Island used the renowned Torrance Test of Creative Thinking to demand that individuals who embarked on strenuous exercise were more mentally fertile for a two-hour period afterwards. And we all know that good health, food and water directly support a healthy mind, focus and enable us to pay attention. And I'll include sleep in this as well, which you can find out about from episode 22. So, tip number four, look after yourself. Steve in the field, do you look after yourself? I bet he's in the pub already. Never put off until tomorrow what you can do today. It sounds like a good idea, doesn't it? Until you think about it. Never put off until tomorrow what you can do today. Never put off until tomorrow what you can do today. Actually, no, even when you think about it, it does still sound like a good idea. I'm going to do my research on this one tomorrow. Okay, next up is number three. Take breaks. And this might seem a bit counterintuitive. Surely the more hours you spend working, the more you'll get done. Well, not according to Parkinson's law, which says that the work will take as long as you give it. And if the time you're giving it is a long eight-hour slog with no chance to rejuvenate, then you're not going to be particularly productive at all, are you, towards the end? Now, this tip featured in 12 of the 15 resources that we reviewed. A study published in Science Daily from the University of Illinois explains that the brain is built to detect and respond to change. It suggests, the study, that prolonged attention to a single task actually hinders performance. It goes on to say, we propose that deactivating and reactivating your goals allows you to stay focused. He said, from a practical standpoint, our research suggests that when faced with long tasks, like studying before an exam or doing your taxes, it's best to impose brief breaks on yourself. Brief mental breaks will actually help you stay focused on your task. And of course, if you take those breaks outside, go for a walk or get some water, you'll also support being active. So you're combining two killer productivity tips into one. So that's number three, take breaks. Okay, we're approaching the top two. And at number two, it's make a must-do list. And this featured in 13 of the top 15 websites that we were researching. And importantly, and importantly, I meant to say importantly, but for some reason I turned into a five-year-old. And importantly, it's a must-do list and not a to-do list. Now, I use and teach this model all the time. Writing a to-do list does not get things done. Well, it gets one thing done, maybe, if that thing is write a to-do list. Have you ever put write a to-do list as a task so you can cross it off when you've done it? Anyway, there are two features of an effective must-do list. Firstly, it contains about between two to four things that you must do that day. In other words, if you only got three things done, what three things would make you feel productive, make you feel like you've made progress, and so on? Secondly, they must be verbs. They must be actions. So uh, a note on your to-do list of John's birthday gift, that's not a task. Uh, researching what to buy John is, 
and so is ordering the gift. But they're two different tasks. And if you write them like that, we're clear on what you're actually doing to complete them. The phrase John's gift is just a generic term. And what it means is it'll very likely end up getting left until the last minute because you're not really clear in your mind about what it is you're actually doing. The key when defining any task is to use the verb. What is the physical action that you need to do, like research, read, review, call, purchase, and so on? Peter Bregman refers to these must-dos in the book 18 Minutes as a part of your morning routine, or you can use them at the end of your, uh, your day routine for the next day. And this is being really clear on the three to four things that will support your areas of focus, the things that will create movement towards the, the bigger reasons that you do your work. Josh Kaufman, in his book, The Personal MBA, he calls them MITs, Most Important Tasks. He says, a most important task is a critical task that will create the most important results you're looking to achieve. Everything on your plate is not critically important, so don't treat everything on your task list equally. By taking a few minutes to identify a few tasks as particularly important, you'll make it easier to focus on achieving them first. So at the beginning of every day, create a list of two to three MITs. Ask a, what are the most two to three important things I need to do today question? Or what are the things that if I got them done today would make a huge difference? And he finishes by saying, write only those tasks on your MIT list and then try to get them done first thing in the morning. So whatever you call them, I mean, you can call them your must-dos, you can call them your MITs or Sally's jobs. I was going to say Steve's jobs then, but... uh, uh, yeah, come on, focus. Um, whatever you call, whatever you call them, you can call them must dos. You can call them MITs or the Sally's jobs. Uh, separate two to four clear tasks from your general to do list, and then focus only on those each day. So that's number two. Make a must do list. <sighs> right before we get to the most often featured productivity tip or hack. I'm afraid that Steve in the field has just filed another roving report on, well, who knows what he's filed it on. It's probably a load of tripe. Let's find out, eh? You may have heard the highly motivational phrase, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. But what you may not know is that this staple of sales presentations around the world was actually created by a singer called Billy Ocean. Now, Billy was a writer who made a living producing hilarious car bumper stickers. You know, like, don't follow me, I'm lost too, or if you can see this, I've lost my caravan. In 1985, after a particularly successful time, following his creation of Honk If You're Horny, Billy was stuck. He'd come up with a setup for a new sticker, When The Going Gets Tough, but he just couldn't finish it. When the going gets tough, he kept saying, come on, Billy, when the going gets tough. Come on, Billy, get going. Oh, wait a minute. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. And the phrase was born. Too good for a bumper sticker, thought Billy. I know, I'll work with three other people, turn this into a hit record, get it featured in a film called The Jewel of the Nile, and then maybe Boyzone will record a cover version of it in the UK, he thought to himself. And so he did just that. And even today, 30 years later, Billy still takes his song around the world and sings it to inspire other people. People who need to learn how to overcome difficult situations 
but who don't have the imagination to turn them into songs. What a great story. I wish someone could inspire me by writing a song about my biggest problems, being a young man in a new town, feeling unhappy, trying to find somewhere that I can get myself clean, have a good meal, hang out with all the boys. Did he really just do that? Okay, here we are at number one. I feel like a, a bit like a radio DJ. Hello, mate. Want to hear the latest productivity tips? Sorry. The most featured tip appearing in all 15 of the top 15 sites that we reviewed is get a killer schedule or schedule. I'm going to stick with schedule. Now, having a great schedule might not sound very sexy, but believe me, it's the number one force multiplier. If you get this right, you'll have time to get all the other stuff done and done well. Question for you. What did Einstein, Edison, Marilyn Monroe and Margaret Thatcher all have in common? Well, not very much, but they all had 24 hours a day, not a second less and not a second more. And whether you're the world's most effective person on what you do or the world's least effective, the good news is that we all have exactly the same amount of time at our disposal. And of course, it's about what you do with it. Planning ahead and giving it some thought is one of the most beneficial things you can do with that time. And there's loads of ways you can do it. Obviously, you can just do it on a bit of paper. You can use a diary. You can use Outlook, your phone, Google Calendar. The way you do it really is up to you. And in fact, I'd really recommend sticking with a way that you find comfortable because you're more likely to make it work. Now, there's loads of different advice on how to make a, a schedule work. But for me, there are two clear things that you should schedule. And there are only two. The first one is actions and tasks that can only be done on a certain day at a certain time. Everything else goes on your to-do list and then you pull it off and put it into your must-do list depending on how important or urgent it is. But if you start cluttering up your schedule with routine tasks, it becomes really unwieldy and difficult to manage. Keep them separate. Only put specific tasks on your schedule if they can only happen at a certain date and a certain time. You know, things like meetings and appointments or collect the kids from school, that kind of stuff. The second thing to put on your schedule is blocks of time for areas of focus. So set aside a specific hour or two for reviewing time, focused work time, or batching time, or Pomodoro time. Not specific tasks, but groups of tasks, and take into consideration your energy levels as well. If you're a morning person, then set aside areas of focus in the morning that require you to have high energy levels. And then for later on, set aside areas of focus that are less demanding and a bit more routine. But remember, you're scheduling the types of activity, not the actual tasks. They happen inside that block of time. The third element to this, which isn't um, a third thing you should put on your schedule, but an important thing to bear in mind is to also make sure that you've got gaps. If you plan your whole day to within an inch of your life, it'll all fall apart the minute something happens and then you'll blame the schedule and you'll fall off the wagon. How much that you actually schedule, how much you have in terms of gaps is up to you. I find that scheduling 50% of my time is a good mix, which leaves the other 50% for space, breaks, reactive stuff, but you decide what works for you. The key is to look ahead for four weeks on your schedule and review that fully at least once a week. And then every night, as part of your end-of-day shutdown, looking at what you've got on for the next day. 
So at number one, and to be honest, if the only thing that you do from this list is this one thing, a killer schedule can make the difference between you being in control or letting your day control you. Well, that's the end of the top nine list. There were a few others which, while they don't occur as regularly in where we researched, I think these other things also can help, and um, a couple of them are quite interesting. So you had the two-minute rule. This is David Allen's idea of making sure that if something comes along and it's going to take you two minutes or less time to do than to put into your system, then you just do it. Now, it's important to not get this confused with the idea of just doing everything as it comes along, because otherwise you can end up in a, in a right mess. But on an individual task basis, if a task comes along and you can do it, in a quicker time than to put it into your system, just do it. What else have we got here? Plan email. Well, we covered a whole episode on that in episode 20. And goals came up as well. And again, we've covered that in two previous episodes on uh, episodes 18 and 19. Killing your darlings. This is an interesting one. So this is the idea of having the courage to say that something you're passionate about might not actually be helping you and stopping it. Oh, what are your darlings? And the last one, have some fun. After all. If you can't have some fun along the way, then it can all turn into a bit of a slog, can't it? So finding ways to ensure that you plan in some downtime and enjoy what you're doing can make it all worthwhile. After all, why do you think we keep bothering with Steve in the field? I'll tell you why we keep bothering him, because he's a but he pays the bills and buys all the stuff. All the links, resource and articles I've used in this episode will be in the show notes right there on your device. Hopefully you'll find them helpful and useful and hopefully you'll find this whole podcast helpful and useful. I hope you do and I do spend a lot of time and effort making sure it's relevant, helpful and entertaining enough for you to listen to. If you agree and you'd like to show your support, there are several ways you can do it. If you want to invest in any of the books or other resource that we talk about, we've got a resource page on the website. The tab is called Get Stuff, and if you click on any of the links and buy anything, it won't cost you any more, but it gives us a few pence towards the gear and my time to help us make this podcast what it is. Alternatively, you can share the podcast on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. We are at Sharp Podcast, one word, two Ps, or you could even show someone how to subscribe on their phone or their device. You could go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating or a great review, which would be fab, and finally, on the website, sharppodcast.com, you can leave feedback, subscribe, or go and listen to the archive episodes. I'm off. I hope you're able to find one thing before our next episode that you can do, which will help you get better. And remember, don't waste time comparing yourself to anyone else. The only person you should try to be any better than is the person that you were yesterday. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.